I suppose everyone has suffered to some degree or another. I have to begin by telling you a funny story. I told Dawn I was going to tell this. I have told it privately but not publicly, at least from the pulpit. Um, Dawn suffered from the very first day she started on this earth. She, uh, she was born, and I remember it to this day. We had disturbed her, you know. Here she was born and gone through whatever. I don't remember what it's like to be born or anything, but we had upset her and we had disturbed her, and she pitched a fit right out of the womb. She let us know that she was suffering, and she did not like it one little bit. And she's not quit pitching a fit yet. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> I call her my highly, ex uh, my, my highly motivated extrovert sometimes. And uh, so, so she let us know how it was going to be right from the very beginning. But there are a number of ways to suffer. As Philip already read in our scripture reading this morning in Matthew chapter 4, verse 24, people were suffering. Some, some, some were demoniacs, and, and they, they were demon-possessed, and they were suffering as, as a result of that. And some of them had illnesses, and they were suffering as a result of that. All of us suffer. I can't think of anyone who doesn't suffer to one degree or another at one time or another. To suffer means to undergo or endure. And we use that of physical or mental or emotional pain. It is to undergo, be subject to, or endure, dictionary.com says. We have people in this congregation who are suffering, some more than others. Some are battling illnesses, so some extreme, unusual illnesses. Some have been battling them and have... And, and have come through those and, and have been cured of that, and that's a fantastic thing. Some are enduring the ailments of old age, and, you know, if you live long enough, you're going to have these problems that come about, and it's just difficult. Some, from time to time, endure the loss of loved ones. We can suffer in lots of ways. Maybe our career is stagnant, and we're not moving the way that we ought to. Uh, maybe our parents have moved and we've had to move with them leaving all of our friends behind maybe we lose a job we're living in poverty or maybe been orphaned at a young age the, the, the list is endless sometimes suffering is a result of what we do and we bring it upon ourselves but much of the time it is not Oftentimes, we do not have a choice about suffering but also in the lesson this morning, and, and we'll continue this evening, I want to talk about suffering and I want to talk about discouragement because discouragement, we do have a choice about that. Discouragement is an attitude. And how we deal with suffering and how we look at it, how we view it, our attitude toward it, that's up to us. And so I want to talk about that. Specifically this evening, I want to make five suggestions on how to overcome discouragements and how not to let ourselves uh, seep into discouragements. Discouragement is to deprive of courage, of hope, and it's this attitude. One who is discouraged has no hope. And certainly as Christians, we should never come to that. We may be weakened. We may need strength. We may be distressed. But there's no need for us to 
be hopeless, to live in despair. We need not make that choice, but make other choices whereby we do such things we'll talk about tonight. Rejoice in the Lord. Exult in tribulation. Don't be discouraged and downtrodden and despaired over those things. Well, let's begin with our lesson uh, this morning. We want to focus on, first of all, the fact that suffering is part of God's plan for us. That God has created this world and this universe so that the human race suffers. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 3, and we want to, there are a lot of passages, and originally I thought about us reading a number of them, but then I, I had to shorten the lesson a little bit, so let's just look at one, and that is Acts chapter 3, and verses 17 and 18. And here is Peter's second recorded sermon. And uh, the, the lame beggar had been healed. And he says, now listen, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance. Those are the ones who had crucified Jesus Christ. Just as your, your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of, of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. And so in the prophets, these things were foretold of. In the Psalms, the suffering Savior, these things were foretold of. Part of God's plan was for the suffering of his, of his son. And part of his plan is for you and I as his children, his sons, his daughters, is for us to suffer. This is part of his plan. Turn your Bibles with me over to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12. This is... The way God has created his kingdom, his body of people, his church. 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, and with persecution there is suffering. God has created it so that as lights in this dark, evil, sinful world that as Christians, we will be persecuted, and in being persecuted, we will suffer. Suffering is part of God's plan for his people. And I don't really go into speculating the reasons that God has made this decision. I believe that we can see it from the life of Job. The suffering of Job was to prove a point to Satan. The point of suffering of God's children in Egypt for 400 years in bringing them out through such great miracles was to prove a point to the world that he is Lord God of all. The point of suffering of God's children in the early centuries of the Christians talked about in the book of Revelation was to prove a point to all the world that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and is reigning in heaven. And so to bring about this, God's plan was for the suffering of his children so that he in due time could raise them up and exalt them over all. So part of this plan includes our suffering while we are here on the earth. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8, Paul precludes the thoughts of chapter 3 verse 12. In verse 1, 
Chapter 1, verse 8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel. Now we will talk about that testimony later in the lesson, but just remember it right now. Paul says, join in me in suffering for the testimony of the gospel. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 5. I know some of these uh, latter verses I'm talking about at the end of the PowerPoint here are small. They may be difficult for you to see. But we're going to Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. Acts chapter 5 and verse 40. And here it is early on in the history of the church. And the apostles are being persecuted for preaching the gospel. And they've been brought before the Sanhedrin, the council. And in verses 40 and 41, this is what we read. They took his advice, that's the advice of Gamaliel. And after calling the apostles in, they flogged them. Now, typically flogging was 39 stripes by the Jews flogged them and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they released them. So they, that's the apostles, went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing. Here they had suffered 39 lashes. And you can imagine what that would be like. You know, history tells us, you know, their outer garment was taken off, that they were bare from the waist up, and a whip was used, a cat of nine tails, and it would have some, 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 uh, some bone or something in the end so that it would rip across the flesh, and they have just been flogged. You can imagine all the pain. You can imagine the humiliation. I, I don't think I could be flogged and not cry and weep and cry out and all that. The humiliation of all of that. And now their clothes are back on. Here they're going back home. They have to be nursed and, and all of this, and you can imagine the pain of that. And they are rejoicing. They could have been in despair. They could have been discouraged. They could have been downtrodden. But they made a different decision on their attitude toward this suffering. And that was to rejoice. That they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That they were counted worthy. Let's rejoice about that. So suffering is part of God's plan for us as his children. Turn your Bibles with me over to 1 Peter chapter 3. And if there is a chapter in the Bible, excuse me, a book in the Bible, that talks about suffering more than any other, it very well could be 1 Peter. Because he's talking about it repeatedly over and over. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 17. Chapter 3, verse 17. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer. That if God will it so. Sometimes suffering is by the will of God. God wills it. It is his plan. It's what he desires for us as his children. If God will it so that you suffer for doing what is right. That's better than for suffering for doing what is wrong. Go to chapter 4 and verse 19. Chapter 4, 1 Peter 4, verse 19. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God. It is God's will. It's part of his plan. 
on how he brings about the things that he brings about. It is through the suffering of his son upon the cross to die for our sins. It's by the suffering of the apostles for the sake of the gospel. And it's through the suffering of us as his children. Now, again, not all suffering is by the will of God. Sometimes we bring that all upon ourselves. Sometimes it's because we sin, but sometimes it's because we're doing the things that are wrong. But sometimes it's because it's the will of God in his grand scheme. And I suppose today when that is so of you and I, it's, it's the same of us as the children of Israel in Egypt. I don't think they understood all of the suffering. And God's great plan and what he was going to do with that. It's obvious that Job did not understand that. It's obvious that those in the book of Revelation talked of did not understand that as they cried out to the Lord, Lord, when will you avenge our blood? And he says, yet for a little while. And for us today when we suffer, we may not understand God's great plan or what he's going to do and how that's going to be used for good but we understand God causes all things to work together for good. We know there's some good that's going to come out of that, although we may not understand it, and although the good may come about even after we're dead, God will use it for good. Turn your Bibles. Well, we're in chapter 4. Let's stay in chapter 4 and look at verses 1 and 2. Verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since Christ, all, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose. Arm yourself, get ready, be prepared, strengthen yourself for the same purpose, that is to suffer in the flesh. Now what does Peter say? Because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. This is the way God, God has created it. If you have ceased from sin, you are going to suffer in the flesh. Living in this dark, sinful world, those who hated our Savior Jesus Christ also hate all those who are in the light. You are going to suffer if you are this light to the world. So arm yourself. Verse 2, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. And if you do that, you're going to suffer. Go with me to chapter 2. Chapter 2. And uh, we look at verse 19. Chapter 2 and verse 19. And remember just a little bit later here, uh, Peter is talking about Jesus Christ who is our, an exam our example and we walk in his footsteps. But let's start in verse 19. For this finds favor, if for the sake of conscience toward God a person bears up under sorrows, to bear up, to endure, when suffering unjustly, for what credit is there if? When you sin, you are harshly treated, you endure it with patience. But if when you do what is right and suffer, for it, for, for it you patiently endure, for, for it you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose. What purpose is that? When you suffer for doing what's right, you have been called for this purpose to endure it, to bear up under it. 
just as Jesus, and then he goes and he talks about that, verses 21 through 25. Well, suffering tests and refines our faith. And here we find the good that comes out of it. That God has created this world and his body and his church and his people that this is the way that we grow and we mature is by enduring the hard times as Christians. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 6 through 9. In this you greatly rejoice and again tonight we're going to be talking about rejoicing in trials and tribulation. And this you greatly rejoice even though for a little while, uh, a little while if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your soul. Suffering is for the testing and the refining of our faith. And the result of that as Christians is glory and honor. Today, and especially at the revelation of Jesus Christ, when it shall be revealed what Jesus Christ truly is, when we shall see with our own eyes, when that which is hiding him is peeled back and all shall see, then we will be glorified with our Lord in that day. And rejoice with joy inexpressible, obtaining the outcome of our faith, which is salvation. Turn with me over to Revelation chapter 2. And, and here Jesus is speaking to those in Ephesus. Revelation chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. And he's, he's speaking through John as he's writing to them of the trials and the tribulations and the difficulties. And he says this in verse 9. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. Tested by the will of God to prove this point that Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords and reigning over all in heaven, but they were to suffer. And in this suffering, they were being tested. Let me suggest to you that whenever we suffer, not because of our sin, but, but when we're doing the right things and we suffer and when we are sick and all these things like this, it is a test. Just as God tested Abraham and commanded him to offer up his only son, certainly there was suffering of anguish to offer his own son as a burning sacrifice to God. There had to be mental suffering and anguish. This was a test. Whenever there's suffering, it's a test. The choice that we're going to make, it is a test. Go back with me over to 1 Peter chapter 3. 
First Peter chapter three and 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 in verse fourteen. First Peter chapter three and verse fourteen. Peter says, "But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed." We've already read this verse, but notice, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. I want you to understand that these individuals were suffering. And when we suffer, this is a test. This is a refinement of our faith that's more precious than gold. And this gives us an opportunity for people who ask, how can you have so much faith in adversity while suffering so much? Why can you have such a positive attitude? Why can you be rejoicing and glorifying God? Counted in all joy in various trials. How can you do that? That's when you have a choice. That's when you have a chance to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe more than any other time when the world who does not have the peace of God which surpasses understanding and they look at us and they say, how can you do that? Let me show you. It's not because of me. It's because of God. And everyone can have this strength. Everyone can have this peace. And this is how you do it. And so you give your defense. For the reason of the hope you have that carries you beyond physical suffering here upon the earth. Let's go over. Let me illustrate this. Go, go over to the book of Revelation with me once again. Revelation chapter 6. Our testimony. We, we, we talked about testimony already. I, uh, remember I said keep that word in your mind, the testimony. Revelation chapter 6 and verse 9. Here's looking up into heaven and the breaking of the seals. This is the fifth seal. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar the souls of those who had been slain, suffering. Because of the word of God and because of the testimony which they had maintained. Our testimony, suffering, we have this chance of our testimony. And these here were slain because of that testimony. Go to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 17. Chapter 12 and verse 17. Here in chapter 12, the beginning of the second telling of the prophecy in verse 17, so the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her children, as Christians, who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. There is suffering. If we hold to these commandments, if we hold to this testimony, there is suffering. And when we suffer more than any other, if it's because of sickness, if it's because of, because of telling the truth about the gospel, speaking the truth in love, whatever it is, there will be this suffering for our testimony. We're blessed when we suffer for the sake of righteousness and often have this opportunity to teach the gospel. Well, go over with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. 
And Peter says, when this happens, and it's going to happen, when this happens, don't be surprised. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12, don't be surprised. This is the way God has created it. God has made the world, the universe, humanity, his church, his body, his people. This is the way it is. Don't be surprised. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Well, when you're suffering, when things are hard, especially suffering for righteousness, suffering for doing the right thing, suffering for the testimony of Christ, suffering for speaking the truth in love, suffering for all of those things, don't be surprised. When you encounter this fiery ordeal and all of these things happen and this persecution and all of these things, don't be surprised. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Keep on rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. So whatever this suffering is, keep on rejoicing. Let's make some application from this section of the lesson. God has made the universe and humanity, his body, his church, so that suffering is a part of life. And you know, it's easy to say. When you're not the one suffering, it's easy to say, that's life. Get over it, deal with it. That's life. And it's harder when you're the one going through it. But, but when you are going through it, I mean, really, it's, it's, it's part of life. It's just part of life. We're going to experience it. It's the way God made things. We grow spiritually when we suffer. And so we'll talk about tonight. Look at the good that comes out of it. We grow. It's the testing and refining of our faith. We become better people. As Christians, we glorify God. Just as people witness the bearing up, whatever it may be, it, it, sickness, saying the right things, our testimony, whatever it is, it's a glory to God and an opportunity to teach people. We glory and rejoice, not because it's fun, not because we enjoy it, but because of the glory it brings to you. Allowing our children to be in situations where they have to struggle is good. Giving them everything that they want is not good for them. Making life easy and removing all trials and adversity is not good for them. When we do that, it takes away opportunity to grow and mature. It, it slows their spiritual growth and takes away their opportunity to teach other the gospel. I want you to think about this. Today we talk about why so many young people are departing from the faith. Fortunately, I, here in this congregation, that's, that's very unusual. But in many congregations today, you hear Christians bemoan the fact that many young people are leaving the faith and none of the young people are faithful anymore, or maybe one or two. Let me suggest to you that part of that is 
living in an affluent society, we're wanting to give our children everything and not allow them to struggle through life and to learn the lessons they need to learn. And we're wanting to baby them and coddle them and they do not grow socially or spiritually. And so when they become a certain age, they just fall away. To give our children everything they want and to do everything for them and to make life so easy for them and so they don't have to work and they don't have to struggle is a bad thing. They don't grow up and they don't mature. Let's talk about some more lessons. Husband and wife relationships. Husbands, we love our wives and we want to do everything for them and we want to make life as easy as possible for them. But sometimes if we go too far with that, that's a bad thing. And sometimes husbands pass away and the wives are left and they are lost without their husbands and they are so spiritually weak because the husband was the spiritual backbone instead of letting his wife grow spiritually. It's good to love our wives and it's good to do for them and it's good to protect them, but we have to do so in a measured fashion. We can make this apply to employers, to employees, and elders to a congregation. And elders do shield the congregation. And they do protect the congregation as a shepherd does. But at the same time, they need to let the congregation struggle a little bit. And suffer a little bit. And feel the pain a little bit. So that the congregation grows and matures. Suffering is part of God's plan. We need to understand that. That he wants us to suffer. He wants our children to suffer. He wants our wives and our husbands to suffer. To a degree, to a degree, that brings the testing and refining and maturity of faith. That's God's plan. The next point of the lesson which I'll just have to hold till tonight, is that we have a choice now when suffering, whether to be discouraged or not. How we handle suffering, that is our choice that we make. Do we rejoice? Do we become stronger? Or do we become discouraged and disheartened and depressed? How do we handle that? That is our choice. That's what we'll talk about tonight. And we'll talk about, specifically, five things from the Bible we can do to handle it the right way. My time is up and the lesson is yours. If you'd like to get your songbooks out, we'll extend the gospel invitation. Number 297, prepare to meet thy God. Suffering is one of the things that prepares us to meet God. Uh, as Christians, living by the word of God, doing the things he wants us to do, handling things the way he wants us to handle them, suffering prepares us so that we learn the glory today. And when we learn the lessons that we should, on the day that Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven, we will glory with great exaltation as we are transformed to be like him. Are you prepared to meet God today? If the Lord were to come any moment now, 
with the shout of the archangel and the blast of the trumpet, and the Lord would appear in the air today, would you be caught up to be with him forevermore? If you're not a Christian today, what must you do? Simply believing in Jesus Christ, willing to obey him, repent of your sins, that's to change from doing the wrong to do the right, Make your confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. You'll be added to the church. You'll be prepared from that moment forward to meet God. If you're a Christian, you've strayed from the truth. You know what to do to make yourself right with God. Once again, won't you do that? If we can help you at all this morning, won't you come to the front now as we stand and as we sing?